This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The numbers told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. Good Monday morning. It is a numbers game at VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. All proudly brought to you by BetMGM. Gil Alexander. It's Kelly Bidlin. Oh, it could have been Kelly with your 99 to 1 on Brooksy. Brooks. Well, it could have been. I'm sorry, man. Another second place finish for you. Yeah, yeah. The third this year, thanks to John Rom alone. John Rom. Oh, I'm glad at the end of the Beating the Book uh, Masters preview, at the very end, I said to you guys, I'm like, you know, we haven't brought up John Rom. Anybody <laughs> have any thoughts on him? <laughs> he looked pretty darn good this weekend. Uh, on the show, we're gonna, there's so much to talk about today. Got to talk about the Masters, uh, the betting implications, and the, sort of the betting lessons of that. We'll talk uh, baseball with Paul Spohr. Todd Wright will join us. Hey, how about that? The greatest voice in the history of sports radio. Todd Wright will join us. Uh, all night with Todd Wright back at ESPN Radio back in the day. Talk Masters uh, with him as well. Wes Reynolds will join us uh, at the end of the show to talk uh, golf and baseball as well. I want to talk NBA extensively today now that the uh, the postseason, and not, not the full postseason, but the play-ins have been established and four of the playoff series have been established. We were dead on Friday, absolutely dead on Friday when we was talking about how None of these teams could afford to manipulate anything. They all had to win. There was there were no shenanigans that were going to happen in terms of the teams that were, you know, that you know, from the Clippers' perspective, for instance, is one the lens through which we viewed it. Yep. They're like, no, they can't manipulate this. They have to. They have to try to be fifth because they can't afford to be seventh. Now the Mavericks, another whole story. We'll get into all that. But let's let's start with golf. And John Rahm wins on the, again, as Jim Nance pointed out many times, on the 40-year anniversary, or the 40 or 40 years after his hero, Seve Ballesteros, won his second Masters, Spaniard. John Rahm wins his first, his second major, his first green jacket, four-stroke lead over, a four-stroke win, I should say, over both Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka. Kelly's T2. First of all, let me just sort of ask this. John Rahm, by the way, from Sean Martin at PGA Tour, S. Martin. John Rahm has more wins, 20 in pro events, than missed cuts, 15. 20 wins, 15 cuts, career. That says it all. It's not quite Tiger, but it's Tiger-esque, if you know what I mean. Let me just ask you, Kelly, right off the bat, beyond betting, we'll get to the betting here in a second. What's more noteworthy? That Phil Mickelson, crooked, cro- crooked cop, <laughs> Finished tied for second at 52 years old, which is the oldest anyone has ever finished in the top five at Augusta. Is that the most noteworthy thing of this? Is it Rom just 
You know, because Rom played that back nine brilliantly. It was three and a half yards in a cloud of dust. He was just playing out. I'm not taking no chances. We're just going to run out the clock here. Yep. Was it Mickelson finished second? Obviously beyond Rom winning. Is it Mickelson, Mickelson finished second? That Scheffler played as ho-hum as he did and managed a top 10 tie, T10, or that Rory, under the best conditions possible, right? He had the weather in favor of him. And when we talked about this pre-flop Thursday, Friday, missed the cut entirely. Uh, I don't even think it's close. By far the most shocking thing of all the things you just listed is how well Phil Mickelson Yeah, played. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. It's that one and then Rory probably two. R- Rory is probably two of how, how poorly he played and just never, I mean, was never in it. Was never even a part of the discussion. No. Um, you know, Scheffler played great. He played great. He just couldn't putt. T to green, he was awesome. T to green, he was second in the field. He yeah, put, finished second in the field behind John Rom T to green. Just couldn't putt. Couldn't putt till the last day. But but what a what a performance by John Rom, who again had you know again our our conventional wisdom before how everybody talked about oh the weather is going to be this for these but Kepka had it in his favor right on on Thursday and it was set up beautifully for him for Friday. John Rom didn't have any of that. Still won the tournament going away. Um, maybe we overrate such things, but in this tournament that was a stop start stop start tournament also. Yeah. To overcome all that, good on him. He deserves it. He was awesome. I, I mean, I think that's the the best player one out, right? Yep. I mean, that is the guy who was he was put in a hole because of that, because of the starting times. It, we did mention a lot leading up to the tournament and ended up kind of playing out exactly like we thought it would. Um, sometimes that's not always the case. That's why we always try to warn, don't you know, don't make those uh, or overrate those factors, but it really did end up playing out, out as almost exactly like we thought it would with the weather. Like you, like you said, Rom on the bad side of that comes into Sunday down four shots, uh, immediately makes that t- into two, and you know cruises on from there. And Brooks Kapka really didn't even challenge. I mean, th- those that last round and a half, he was really never a threat. Well, it was an eight-stroke swing, right? He started the the abbrevi- or the abridged second round, the the reconvened uh, third round, pardon me, the reconvened third round early Sunday morning. Four strokes up, he finishes four strokes down. So an eight-shot swing over the course of all of those holes. And But I would say this. Like, I don't think there was a moment, there wasn't some signature moment where Kepka gacked it. Like, he didn't have some awful moment here and there. He just wasn't sharp. I think as Dottie Pepper said it, he just wasn't that sharp. And John Rahm was just... Just played it beautifully the whole way through. Didn't make any mistakes. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, what after after the first two rounds that that Brooks was able to complete in those first two days. I mean, he was number one in the field in approach. His iron game looked about as sharp as I had seen it maybe ever, or if not in a very very long time. Um, he was playing great, man. Those things just started to become a little unhinged as as they as he went into Saturday and Sunday. And uh, yeah, I think that they also said it on the broadcast. I don't know how much of a deal this was or not, but. You know, they thought some of the guys having to play through the bad conditions, facing that wind then on Sunday, that it wasn't bad conditions on sun, later on Sunday, but it was enough that was different. It was different enough from what Brooks played through on those first two days that they thought some of those other guys were in better position to play through it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, let, let's get to the betting implications of this, because I had, again, every other sport. So tennis was a fantastic weekend. Don't believe me, asked Todd. Um... Betting-wise, UFC, thanks to our buddy Jordan Sherwood, was awesome, right? 
the NBA, which we'll get into yesterday because it's the last day of the of the National Basketball Association season, the worst last day of any league after what was just a, a joke of a, of a regular season in many ways, just because of load management, who's playing, who's not, and it was just it manifested the last weekend of the season just perfectly if 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 you want consistency with that. And so there was betting opportunities yesterday, which I hope people cashed in on, teams that had to win. But then golf was a loser. The Masters was a loser because I had all those Scheffler and Homa bets to begin with. There ain't going to be no matzo ball soup next year, Max Homa. Hopefully never. <laughs> That's Hootie from the grave, everybody. <laughs> um, but, but I do want to make this point about in-game, in-tournament golf betting. Even if you were not on the right person to begin with, Hopefully, you took the opportunity to bet John Rahm, if not once, multiple times yesterday. Now, I'm not saying I made all the money back on the golf tournament, Kelly, but I made a good amount back betting Rahm three different times. You could get him at minus 105 early in the fourth round, mm-hmm. early in the final round yesterday. Were you able to make some money back on Rahm? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, uh, you know, luck, luckily we have, I know this isn't the case everywhere, but, you know, we've got a couple shops in town and, and, and you know, this is where I'll, you know, t- t- uh, point out Circa doing a great job with this of yes, no options. So those those rain delays, as far as me having a Brooks Kepka ticket 99 to 1, the rain delays kind of came at perfect times on Friday and Saturday. You know, Saturday, him uh, it, with play suspended him up four strokes you got about a round and a half that was a perfect time to kind of hedge off some it was minus 120 on a no price on brooks i didn't want to i played a bit of rom too then but i didn't want to go full rom because there was still a possibility other guys could get into the mix which man they almost kind of did at the end i i went full wrong i bet the minus 105 i bet him at minus 230 minus 235 like i i went full yeah i got back as you know again i didn't get back most of it but I got back some of it doing that. And I just think it brings up a broader point about golf betting, which we've made before, which is we're going to talk the nature of programming. We're going to talk about pre-flop bets in golf. This, this first came up when, I, when the FedEx Cup a few years ago on this show, and I had Brooks Kepka pre-flop in the FedEx Cup. But there was a moment in the final round of that, I don't know if it was 2018 or 2019, whatever it was, where you could time it so you could grab Rory, who ended up winning it, and sort of make your pre-flop back, if not more. And I remember the reaction on Monday from people's, oh, why don't you t- why don't you tweet those out? Why don't you text that out? It's not the nature of it. You're you're moving too fast. And yeah, we're po- lucky to get the bets in sometimes. The, the point I made then also remains today, which is we don't make this point enough. You kinda have to, if you're gonna bet this stuff, you kinda have to be available. And we never because we're so immersed in this, we never make this very simple point. You kind of have to have a wife or a girlfriend or a family that's going to understand that you need to be available for this kind of stuff. Because it's going to get you out of, if not all, a lot of it, if your pre-flops are wrong. So anyway, it's just, a, it's just sort of a golf tip. Again, it's the only sport that lasts that long, you know, American sports that we follow. Not American by nature, but I'm just saying in America, the sports that we follow closely. It's the only one that gives you that long of an arc four days and you know some people who didn't have bets yesterday were, were talking about how they thought the masters was overrated like some people said that yesterday to me i'm like hey easy easy with the masters being overrated but i get it if you didn't have bets and, and you were just watching john rom coast into the finish i get how you might view that if you had bets you were engaged the whole time because you were trying to manipulate how to maximize 
your day yeah. financially. Wait, I like this. I like this conversation though. Let's go, just go to the blanket sports talk conversation mm-hmm. for a minute. Yeah. Yes, I was sweating top twenty bets and stuff like that yesterday. That final round was pretty damn boring. It well, it was <laughs> just like it's, well, like I said, three and a half yards in a cloud of dust. He knew what he was doing. I mean, that was done. He shut yeah. that door, and it was not open back up for, I mean, what, the last two hours of the tournament? It's a beautiful thing. Uh, on the other side, I want to talk about, so we mentioned Scheffler finished in a tie for 10th. And so this brings up the subject of dead heat rules, which I do want to do want to give a couple minutes on uh, after the break, because some people like really are, are having an issue with it. So I want to talk about that momentarily, and then we will talk NBA. From beyond the Mavericks, who just punted on their entire season in the most egregious kind of way. What about these four series prices that are up there? Oh, my God, the Warriors price. Is that too much? We'll talk about it on the other side. Numbers Game Visa, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gamble problem call 1-800-522-4700. Skill Alexander. It's Kelly Bidlin. It's a numbers game live from the South Point. Um, so a lot of questions, a lot of people on Twitter, and I'll shout out, I'll shout out one such, uh, one such listener, John Womack, uh, I was talking about major underrated book issue that needs discussion is the dead heat rules on top five, top 10 golf wagers. It's criminal. It's a yes, no wager. It's not first round leader wager. 
So he is expressing, I think, what a lot of betters feel about dead heat rules. Now, let me explain again. Now, dead heat rules, for those who uh, are like, what's a dead heat rule? Dead heat, the stake money on a selection. So, so basically, it, it has to do with on a multiple market prop, right? If you, if you finish tied, so let's take a first round leader in golf. Mm-hmm. If you have like a 50 to one on that and you're, you end up a co-leader after the first round, yours, you, the, what you make back is not the 50 to one. It's the, the stake money on a selection is divided by the number of competitors involved in the dead heat. And the full odds are then paid to the dividend to the divided stake with the remainder of the stake money being lost. So let me just I, I know I know I didn't prepare you that there'd be math on the show today. <laughs> but let's just it's, let's just go this way. This is one of the stupid let, betting things. But let, yes, go ahead. Yeah. I, I almost want to bring Elihu Foistel on the show tomorrow. Elihu Foistel, who's maybe the smartest human being in gambling, who's an author of many books. I, I think I want to bring him on to do his explanation of it. But let me just try to do it really briefly here, which is I think betters intuitively get when they have like a long shot ticket like that on a first round leader, for instance, and it ties that they make a fraction of what it is that they made. They're not going to get the full stake. They're going to get a fraction of it. Right. When it and, com- and that would be like any index prop, right? Like if you were Major League Baseball to hit the most home runs, Correct. right? And two guys tie, Correct. three guys tie. But when you finish T5 or T10, you might end up losing money. And this is where, intuitively, the, the average better is like, wait a minute, what? So if you had Scotty Scheffler top 10 yesterday, like, for instance, I did, you ended up losing money on this because the math is, it's, get ready, get ready, boys and girls, you ready for this, Kelly? It's your stake plus your potential winnings divided by the number of players who tied, and here's the rub, minus your initial stake. <laughs> and so... The more you bet, the more you lose. So if you bet, uh, Scotty Sheffield, let's say, let's make it a round number. It was minus 120, let's say, to be top 10. Okay. 120 bucks. Okay, if you bet 120 to win 100, that's 220 tied with three other people. 220 divided by four, that's 55, minus the 120 you started with, you lose 65 United States dollars. If you bet 1,200 to win 1,000 on it, right, it's 2200 divided by 4 that's 550 divided by 1200 you lose 650 right trust me when i say this i get why that seems counterintuitive to you or intuitively it doesn't make sense why should you lose by the way somebody threw somebody gave me an example of a parlay that they hit some books allow you to parlay random markets like that this guy top 5 this guy top 10 this guy top 5 and they ended up losing money even though they hit three legs and Dead heated the fourth. The best sort of example I can give is if you had somebody who was minus a bajillion to be top 10 and he tied with five people, do you get why you shouldn't win anything for that and that you probably should lose? I think we have to have Elihu on, on tomorrow to give his explanation. He might do a better job than I did. But uh, trust me when I say this, I understand your pain but it actually makes mathematical sense. I know that's not the answer people want to hear. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, people ask me a lot about this uh, you yeah. know, on Twitter, and we get a lot of questions about this, specifically with golf betting, because I bet a lot of the finishing position markets, like top 20, top 10s. Uh, rule of thumb for me is it's worth about 30 or 40 cents to bet it in a place where 
uh, you're, there's no dead heat Cause, rules. Because not every book has dead heat not rules. Not every book yeah. has. Yeah, and specifically, yeah. I'll shout out Ben, ben MGM. They're one of the few, uh, one of the few ones here in the U.S. that doesn't dead heat. Um, so it, it's it's always it, we're always talk about uh, you know price shopping and shopping odds and different if different books. That's another thing you got to factor in how much that's how much that's yeah. worth to you. I think it changes person to person. But uh, my rule of thumb is at least thirty to forty cents. Gil, but it's also it's it's also one of those like like Patrick Cantlay top twenty was my biggest bet of the week this past week. I would have paid more than forty cents to know I wasn't going to get dead heated on that one. Yeah, though though again, that's one of those where maybe maybe it makes sense to never play in a dead heat. I don't know if the odds on all their other stuff is is as good though, right? Because in tennis, it's a you know with with tennis and matches being graded, some have to complete, some have to go first set. You can never anticipate which book will be the better to play at. Because if you win or lose, oh, I got I was good fortune. I I lost the one where it had to complete, or I won the one where it only had to go one set. You can never anticipate your good fortune or your bad fortune on those where you play it. This might be different in golf. Like you might just want to avoid it entirely, is what you're saying. But you have to see what the odds, what the general odds right. pool is. Yeah. So you can't make that blanket like statement. Like, like if I'm, I'm not going to play. So for for yeah. example, right? If it's the so I played Patrick Cantlay, I think plus one fifteen top twenty, where I knew I wasn't going to get dead heated. Now, if that was three to one right. somewhere else, like I'm playing that and living exactly. with the results. That's my point. Like it, that's it my is, point. Yeah, that's where you have in, you have to have in your mind what's that cutoff. Hundred percent, and that's why when people come, oh, you should have played. No, you don't know that in advance, right? In in tennis and in golf, there's different odds, and you have to assess where is better to play, even if dead heat rules apply. Um, let's do the Eastern Conference first in the NBA before we get to because the West is juicier. But the Eastern Conference, we already knew the Cavaliers and the Knicks were matched up as the four or five. We already knew that the Cavaliers roughly. Minus 200 favorites in that series. Here are the Eastern Conference odds to win. Let's start there at the top before we get to the series, I suppose. Bucks plus 120 to win the East. Celtics plus 175. Sixers 4-1. to one. Everybody starting with the Cavs. Double digits. Way double digits and beyond. Those all make sense. All make sense. We do have, a, uh, we do have an issue in Boston, though, with cut glass on the hands of... Uh, Jalen Brown. Of yeah. Jalen Brown, and so that could be an issue to monitor. But I think all those prices are right. Yeah, your two play-in games then, uh, Hawks Heat, that will be tomorrow night. Heat, four and a half, five-point favorite total, 226 and a half, 227 there. And then Wednesday night, we'll have Bulls at Raptors. Raptors, a five, five-and-a-half-point favorite pretty much everywhere, 214 and a half to 215 and a half. Your total in that game. Remember, everybody, tomorrow night, 7-8 games in both the East and West. Wednesday night, the 9-10 games. Winner of the 7-8 tomorrow becomes the seventh seed in their respective conferences. The loser will play the winner of the 9-10 on Wednesday on Friday to determine who the eight seed will be in their respective conferences. That's the play-in system that the NBA uh, had instituted last year. So... Any thoughts on either of those play-in games in the East? Um, no, not really. I, w- I would. Le- it's lean Raptors for me. I think there was four and a halves last night. That's moving kind of Toronto way. It-, it pretty heavy lean to Toronto for me. Atlanta, Miami. If you could tell me what was go- what was going to happen in that game in advance, man, I more more power to you because I have no freaking clue. Those team two teams have been so random uh, this year. 
So yeah, I, as far as the play-in games, probably be a stay away. Might look live, look live on Toronto. The two series prices then again in the East: Cavaliers minus two hundred, roughly. Shop around for these Knicks plus one sixty coming back. You could play in all kinds of ways: total games in the series, exact outcome of series. Uh, would you take a, a flyer on the exact outcome of this? Would you take a Cavaliers in six? At a good bang for your buck, a double-digit bang for your buck? That's exactly what I will be betting in this series. Um, it will be Cavs. I'll, I'll bet Cavs to win in six and to, and to win in seven. Uh, probably play that instead of the um, over like over five and a half at minus 180. Um, you can get Cavs in seven at three to one, Cavs in six at plus 475. Oh, that, plus 475. That's I'm the way sorry. I'm going to play this series. Okay. And then the Sixers. Minus 900 against the Nets, who without Kyrie, without KD, managed to find themselves in the postseason without even having to play a play-in. It's uh, Ben Simmons' revenge is what it is. I think, she, shoot, he's going to be on the bench for this game. Reven- he play Revenge spot. <laughs> um, Set Sixers I mean, are minus 900, Nets 6-1 to one on the comeback. This is like, this is Sixers 4-1 to one written all over it. Yep. I'm probably not betting anything in this series. I Maybe game to game I'll take it, but... What's the sweep? Sweep is plus 240. 4-1 nah, to one is plus that's 210. That's not fun. That's not good enough. Yeah. No, I think this is the one I'll probably be avoiding almost entirely, but may- maybe game to game. The 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 Eastern Conference postseason is so so much more top heavy than the West. The West is so much more interesting to get into, which we will uh, coming up on the show here momentarily. First, though, let's talk some baseball. Paul Spore joins us on the other side. Home run surge in the uh, in Major League Baseball this early in the season, as compared to last year. And what about the NL West? Are we all kidding ourselves about the Dodgers? Let's talk about that. Numbers Game, Visa, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. There's a lot to bet on in the next 30 days, and for a limited time, you can subscribe to VSIN for only $9.99. That gets you insight into daily baseball best bets, NBA and NHL playoffs, the Kentucky Derby, and the upcoming NFL draft. Only VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and bets are moving every game. Also, a top VSIN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI, and see which VSIN expert has the hot hand. Sign up now for only $9. $99 at vcin.com slash subscribe. It's Gil Alexander. We get tweets at beating the book. Jason H11. I was sweating ROM outright. Speeth top five in top 20, as well as a couple others. Yesterday was a marathon sweat starting at 8.30. Loved it. Yay, golf. Nevada Azer. Even better when your wife is betting the Masters along with you. Oh, that was to my comment about how uh, your family has to understand. You got to yeah, be present. Yeah, that was our pro tip of the hour. Don't have, uh, don't have a family. Don't. Our pro tip is... <laughs> Don't have a family at all, or if you do, tell them the Masters takes priority. The Truth, 1980. You made my day in the first segment today by using your foghorn, leghorn voice in the summer of the Masters. Love it. <laughs> That's about Max Oma and Hootie from the grave. Michael Burns, I'm 9-0 in baseball bets. Raise money line train. What can go wrong the rest of the year? We got to talk to Paulie about the uh, Paul Sporer standing by about the raise here momentarily. Uh, Mike Zilla's Duke 90. Regarding excitement, only three back nine eagles. From the, t- from the 25 who finished under par. Only three back nine eagles. That's a good point. Usually you see an eagle fest on the par fives. Bruce, Bruce Dobigan. Has Patrick Cantlay finished lining up his putt on 18? Boy needs a pitch clock. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, that's something we can talk about. Cantlay, so likable. <laughs> Touchdown, Jesus. 
Don't worry. The show's called a numbers game. We knew there'd be math. We knew there would be math. There'll be more math tomorrow. Podiatron. Round one leader golf. One of my books actually pays full amount. No dead heat split. It was shocking, but they keep paying it in full. And Screaming A. Smith adds, that's why it's important to shop. BetMGM pays all ties in full. No DHR odds might be shorter, but I'll take the full payout. Well, that's the thing, Screaming A. We were pointing that out in the first segment. It's, it's not that simple, right? You have to be able to assess where the odds are good, where they're better. Is it worth playing at a dead heat book or not. Sam Wesley, this is very similar to horse racing. When you take a win play show and the horse places or shows, if it's a two to one, five to two, three to one, et cetera, type odds, you lose money. It sucks, but makes sense. Yes, it does. It makes sense. Um, and Corbin, well, no matzo ball soup with the masters next year. Didn't have the greatest masters this year. All I know is I had a better weekend than these poor suckers at Augusta airport with a few hundred private jets flying in and out every day. No, thank you. Huh. Shout out against private jets, I guess from Corbin. Paul Spore joins us. He's got his private jet. He joins us uh, at Spore, S-P-O-R-E, or at Fangrass. That's not true, Paul. I made that up. That's mm. not true? No. no All right. not true. Let me, let me, let's talk about, oh, there's a lot of things. First, though, I brought this up before the break. Will Hill actually planted this in my ear yesterday, which is, he said, are we going to look up in July? He believes we are. And look at the NL West, and we're going to think it's a joke. I don't know if that's his word or mine. But he's going to think, he, he, what he was expressing was, we're going to think it's outlandish that at one point the Dodgers were evenly priced with the Padres. That is to say, uh, the theory being that the, the Dodgers starting pitching is not nearly as good. They don't come, the talent doesn't come at you in waves like it used to, whereas mm-hmm. the Padres are built for regular season longevity. They're getting Tatis back. They're getting Musgrove back. Like, they've got people coming it, uh, you know, as as you know, support still. Do you think folks should jump on the Padres at this price? Because they're really, it's really a coin flip at this point to win that division. I do, I do think it's close, but I, I'm not sure it's necessarily a joke or anything. I mean, Padres have their own issues. They got to get Musgrove back, like you said. Otherwise, that rotation doesn't look overwhelming. I'm, I'm big on Seth Lugo. I like the way he's started. I think Nick Martinez can hold, but there are no guarantees there. The second half of their lineup also kind of uh, looks a little shakier. Now the Dodgers are gettable. I, I, I do agree there. If that's the, the underlying point is that the Dodgers are not over the top, but they can make a move at any moment too. Like they have depth in their uh, farm system that they can trade or that they can use, you know, a uh, Bobby Miller or Gavin stone could come up, try to stabilize that rotation. Uh, we looks like Vargas looks pretty good. So does J- James Altman. So they got a couple guys that are maybe going to stabilize the back half of that lineup. What if they fix what if they fix Jason Hayward? It's early, but man, I, I kind of hope they do. So I, I don't know. I, I think those two teams are, are pretty close. I'm not sure that we're going to look back on and and say, wow, uh, they never should have been even money. I, I think the Padres and Dodgers are just close to each other. Okay. What of the Tampa Bay Rays? We just got a tweet about it. Um, they're nine and zero, but they've played and you're going to, you're going to hate me for this. They're no, actually, they're actually a major league team. Yet. Yeah. I was going to say their actual regular season, I think begins today against, <laughs> against the Red Sox, but they, cause they played the Tigers, the A's and the Nationals. Nah. Yeah. Okay, so they beat those teams, and they beat everybody that's in front of them. 9-0. They've scored 75 runs. They've given up 18. They have a plus 57 run differential through nine okay. games. 
This is out of control. They've also hit the most home runs in all of baseball. If there's one thing we don't we don't associate with the Tampa Bay Rays franchise, it's they hit the most home runs in baseball. So I guess the, the obvious question is, is this sustainable or is it just because they play the three teams they have? Seven and 21 is the record of those other teams. And, and you, you have to take that into consideration. They're a good team. I think that they're in the mix for sure. I think I gave them away as a team that I'm going for. Um, for a divisional bet in in the AL East there because I like their price. They're always kind of well-priced, I think, because they don't have superstar talent, so I don't think that the books are necessarily super on them early. I do like the club. I think they're going to be a solid club. I think Wander Franco is going to have a breakout year this year. Uh, the Rasmussen Springs combo behind Shane McClanahan gives them a devastating top three. I think Zach Eflin was an interesting pickup. Anytime they're picking somebody up, I'm always taking a second look. Oh, what what are they seeing here? You know, they signed with like the biggest deal they've ever done before. But it's the competition or, or severe lack thereof. Like we have to underscore that. There's three dreadful teams, three of uh, probably the worst teams uh, of the year. A's, everyone kind of thinks is the worst. Nats aren't far behind. Tigers have had some people say, oh, well, maybe they come forward this year. They're not that far behind. They're pretty bad too. So it's a hot start. We've seen teams have hot starts before. Sometimes we see teams that we don't expect to be good have hot starts and we know it's coming but going to come down to earth. This is a team that we expect to be good having a hot start, but it's going to come down to earth. It's just because they're, they're feasting on garbage. All right. We get to see adjusted season win totals now throughout baseball seasons from sports books when we do. So let's talk about those bad teams. Who do you think is the worst of the worst of those teams? And what adjusted season went like, how low would you go until you stopped betting the under on whichever club that is? Who's who's the worst of the bunch? Probably Oakland. Okay. Like they, what, what, they, should they really... what would you bet this down till? I don't know. I still always have a hard time going too hard on the team to lose a hundred games. Like even though they did it last year, uh, because it, it's just such a long season it is. and teams can morph too. Like they could, they could bring up a bunch of young talent that starts to rally and, and play pretty well. Like they're, they're not a great team. They're going to sit here and try to cape for Oakland in any way, shape or form, but they do have a few like interesting pieces in that rotation. They have some decent hitters, I think too. So I don't know. It, it's, it usually stops around the 100 loss mark that I would be that comfortable putting a ton of money on just because it's so hard to project a team to lose a hundred. That would be 62. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, I think most people listening be like, Oh, I'm going way under on that. Like I, it'll, and, but like, I understand I your point. The way they've looked, I, like, I, the yeah. way they've looked, I totally get it. Yeah. But again, we just, we don't see a ton of hundred loss seasons and we really don't from them. Again, I talked about this last year with Oakland. They're not usually a team that bottoms out. Well, they did last year and I think they're going to be bad again this year, but usually their rebuilds are a little bit more ordinary where they're like a high sixties win, low seventies win kind of team. They're not that. And I'm not sure that they're necessarily going to be that this year, but they do have some, they do have some talent on this team right now with the pitching, the young pitching. And they could have some more talent come through. What if they trade Loriano and Seth Brown? So I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to uh, peg teams for a hundred losses. Okay. Um, you play in DFS these days? If so, what do you like today? 
Yeah, I mean, we got game Coors uh, with St. Louis, and obviously I want to get in on some of those St. Louis hitters. They're so rich in hitting. I mean, they lose Lars Newtbar. They don't even feel it at all with Alec Burleson and uh, Nolan Gorman and Dylan Carlson stepping in. Um, I like Scherzer. I'm going to go I'm gonna go to the well on Scherzer. He's a little bit priced down. He's still five digits over at DraftKings, 10,400. But I'm going to go ahead and take a shot. I know he's had a couple of mediocre starts. Well, his first one was mediocre. His second one was bad. It's Max Scherzer. I'm not worried. Uh, Julio Urias, we all talked about, or we being the general baseball community said, oh, look out, the shift is going to kill him or the lack thereof. Yeah, right. He's just uh, having no problems so far. Now, San Francisco is not a huge lineup either, so I don't know that they're necessarily going to bring any sort of damage to uh, Urias today either. So I'm looking at Coors, of course. Now, it's tough to balance the two, to go with aces and Coors. So you kind of have to pick which side do you want to go on there? Do you want to dip into Coors with the Rockies and the cards, or do you want to go big aces? I'm always down for a pivot. So I might be going for the two aces and not worry so much about getting a ton of Coors stack. Yeah, almost three times as many homers hit to this point this year than were last year. So it really is creating a lot of opportunities, mm-hmm. both in DFS and in props, pitch player clock, props. Baby. Yeah, pitch clock, helping the hitters. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Gil. Take care. My man. Western Conference, NBA and beyond, coming up. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Game on Vsin, the sports betting network. Numbers game proudly brought to you by BetMGM. BetMGM always running all kinds of promotions, including 
where you could turn a loss into a win with BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Place a one-game parlay wager with at least four legs on any MLB game, and if all legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back and bonus bets up to $25. Just log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to get started. Then opt in to the one-game parlay insurance promotion to receive up to $25 back in bonus bets if you parlay with four legs or more loss, or more rather, loses by just one leg. That's, again, if your parlay with four legs or more loses by just one leg. Only at BetMGM, the best place to bet on baseball. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion not available in Mississippi, Nevada, and New York. Skill Alexander, Kelly Bidlin in the hizzy. Uh, Kelly, can we shout out Jordan Sherwood? who uh, came on the show on Friday to talk UFC 287 with us. And basically, Shout out. basically you could have parlayed everything he gave us, and you'd have been a winner, uh, beginning with, you know, some, some favorite plays. He had Kevin Holland over Santiago uh, Ponzinibbio in the uh, welterweight fight on the main card. As a uh, KO there in the third round, Kevin Holland, just as pleasant a guy as possible in the ring. Are you okay? Everything okay? I'm about to beat your face in. Right? Like, totally like making sure his opponent is okay. Uh, but the big one was the underdog in the Bantamweight fight. Rob Font got it done against Adrian Yanez. Rob Font, whose face was already puffy. First round knockout of Adrian Yanez. Uh, Gilbert Burns was a big favorite. That, that was easy peasy. And then Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira in the main event and Israel Adesanya in the second round just levels Alex Pereira, lights out. Pereira didn't really respect his respect Adesanya's power. Certainly Adesanya did Pereira's. And that one well under the number, uh, the total number on that. So it was, just a, it was just an awesome night of UFC. Shout out to Jordan Sherwood. Yeah, it was a nice, uh, the uh, main event was a nice moneymaker for myself. I didn't really end up betting much else because I was oh. do- doing a show here, and by the time it mm. ended, it was kind of the middle of the main card, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to see Rob Fun. What show were you doing on Saturday, Kelly? Why Live bet Saturday with Danny Burke, baby, from uh, 7 to 11 Eastern time. Y'all do four hours. Yeah, four hours, Danny Burke. Well, not to mention. Why your- Tom Check did a great job producing not to mention your podcast duties on Hardwood Handicappers with JVT and Long Shots. Today, a big day. We got a lot live Hardwood Handicappers today at 11, live playoff preview from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific time, 2 to 4 Eastern time. All right, can we, are you guys going to speak about the Mavericks on that show? Do you no. think? <laughs> Actually, I don't know if we have time. Uh, we already talked about it on Friday a bit. Well, let me just say this, because this gets into sports, sports radio, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but were you as angry... As I was. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. No, like I'm furious about it. I'm still furious okay, about it. Okay, so I'm glad on Friday, if you listen to this show, I did the whole I feel like I'm really old thing yeah. when, you know, people are like, oh, it's load management. Uh, not load management. People are like, oh, the Lakers had a back-to-back. They played three and four, four and six, whatever it was against the Clippers. Of course they're going to lose that game. And I, who sound like I'm 110 years old, I'm like, do you think Michael Jordan would have said any of that? Like, this is just, it just, it, it infuriates me that people accept that. It's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense that they would lose a game when they're trying to get playoff position. Like, are you kidding me? So couple that now with what the Mavericks did on Friday. This is sort of my, like, I feel like when when it comes to the NBA that I am 95 years old and people have lost their minds. The Mavericks at that point had two games to win and one Thunder loss to get them into the play-in. 
This was Friday morning when we were on the show. By game time Friday against the Chicago Bulls, the Dallas Mavericks had openly told everybody, we're not trying. Luka's going to play the first quarter, and then he's going to be shut down for the entire season. We want to protect our top 10 pick, in other words. It's an unprotected pick. They don't want it to convey. They want to be able to use the pick. And so to to get in the play-in would torpedo that they'd lose their pick. So they openly tanked. Now, I was trying to really crystallize, really distill what it is about this that makes me so mad when I, of all people, love a good Tankapalooza and betting on Tankapalooza to get, you know, best percentage of lottery ping pong balls. And and what it is for me is you can't just do it suddenly like that after you've taken your entire fan base and led them on this journey to the very end of the NBA season and then all of a sudden pull the wool over their eyes. Is that the expression? And just say, yeah, you know what? This whole thing was just one big ruse. We're we're actually going to save the draft pick. So I know all you – this gets back to – and I said I don't want to be corny, but when I was 12 years old or 13 years old and the Washington Bullets were like – they had to win their last game to make the playoffs, it mattered so much to me. Like I was – oh, they got to play the Nets and they got – like I was that – you know, I think I speak for all these kids who are sports nerds. That stuff matters to fan bases and to kids. And for you to arbitrarily – it's one – so if you're going to tank, I guess my, my point is, do it the correct way and warn your fans for a month or two months in advance, like, we're not going to try. The kids will not have any expectations. The fan bases will not have expectation. What are we doing if in the end, when it, you played 80 games to present this moment to your franchise, you just arbitrarily decide, well, sorry, we were, it was all one big joke. I was infuriated, dude. I was, I was, I was livid. I was furious. So we are. Let, let me take you through live kind of hardwood handicappers on Friday Please. because we're recording on Friday, and it's comes down to all basically all the Mavericks are sitting except for Luca, right? JVT are t- and I are talking through this while we're recording, and we're like, "This is bizarre. What are they doing?" And then you're like, "Why is Luca playing?" And we're like, "Well, okay, he said earlier in the week." That as long as they were in playoff contention, he would be playing the game. Exactly. I'm glad you said that. They set expectations. Yes. Mm -hmm. They did that. So then JVT and I are playing the mind games of like, well, is this the is this the big like FU game by Luca to management? Like, oh, we're gonna tank, we're gonna go out, we're we're not gonna try to make the playoffs. And Luca's like, screw that. I said what I had said earlier in the week. I'm gonna go out there, drop 60 on them. Mm-hmm. And we were like, man, this could be a big betting opportunity tonight. Thank God, and I'll shout him out. Uh, he likes to fire on Twitter. He tweeted at me and JVT, letting us know it was Slovenia night for the Dallas Mavericks that night. That is why Luka Doncic suited up and then played an entire one quarter before checking himself out. So if you want to go to more fan-based things, like you had Slovenia night in the Dallas Mavericks and the superstar from Slovenia played one quarter and then sat out. If you are, I'm more upset with him today, Gil, than I am with, with, the, with the Mavericks franchise. Oh, because, because the, the, you thought after all this that Doncic would, would be sour about how the Mavericks handled this, and instead he's like, no, I love it here. I, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we actually got some sound from yesterday. We, we can play this, in a, uh, play this in a moment. But I, I'll just say real quick before we get to that. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Now, yes, I'm throwing LeBron in there. For as many people that want to hate LeBron, I'll throw him in there. 
You don't play for that franchise again. Ever. This is the NBA. All I ever hear from people on Twitter or whatever is that it's a player-controlled league, and all that matters is one or two guys on the court at the time. You chose to not t- put two of the top 20 NBA players I- in the league on the court to give them a chance in the playoffs. You chose to not even take that chance. It's a wasted year of Luka Doncic's career. And if you told that to Jordan, Kobe, or LeBron, they would say, that is unacceptable. I am never playing for this franchise again. The league is a joke. It's an absolute joke. How many times have I come on here and said that Adam Silver only wants to be friends with the players? That doesn't apply here, but that, that's really his guiding light. That's his, that's his North Star. And instead, what you got that game for the Mavericks was Reggie Bullock, Theo Pinson, Justin Holiday, McKinley Wright the fourth, and A.J. Lawson on the court. Now, there's a lot of people listening who think I just made up those names. Yep. They played for the Mavericks. By the way, how awkward was that final sequence where the Mavericks were, were shooting up threes to tie the game? Like, you look over at Jason Kidd, and he's so conflicted. So dumb. I mean, you can tell Jason Kidd hated it too. I mean, he, yes. he, I mean, his press conference was, "Hey, oh. I'm doing what I'm told." Basically, brutal. Now, here's the thing: Do you think the NBA, this investigation, quote unquote, that they're doing on this, do you think they take away the pick? Um, do I think what? Do you think they take away the pick from the Mavericks? I don't. I hope so. I don't know. People are asking me about what they should be fined and stuff. I'm like, there's not a number. There's not a number. Like, like, I don't care if they lose a draft pick. I don't care how much money they're fined. There's nothing that makes this right. Nothing. If they, except for Luka Doncic walking if away. If they had any integrity or were as consistent as they claimed to be by their words and want to, you know, remember how gambling was the, was the, oh, it's the worst thing in the world. You have Woj out there saying all this fan behavior is because of gambling, right? The whole league for years against it. And now this kind of thing happens. If they have any integrity, they take the pick. But it's never going to happen. It's never going to yeah. happen. Yep. Well, it's but not the right. But I'd I love mean, to see it. <laughs> I don't know if I feel they should do that because they don't have a precedent. They don't have rules set for this. Make put some rules in place. Isn't this, what, isn't this basically what Stephen Ross and the Dolphins got Doctor Pick for yes. doing? Or is what's the difference? Take know. their damn pick. What's the difference? But I'm sure how it's written, written in the bylaws or whatever. He just wants to be friends with everybody, Silver. Hey, what a joke league! What a joke ending to the season. But I made money betting all the teams that needed to, so that was fun. Last day. We'll come back. Western Conference, well stuck to Todd Wright. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.